0: Hey guys, welcome to the STT Park. Oh, before I forget, today is 8th June and do you know what is the significance of this day? It is dedicated to one of the most abundant and yet one of the most ignored resource on this planet. Do you know what it is? Wait, wait, let me first give you a hint. They cover more than two-thirds of the Earth's surface and contain 97% of the planet's water. Yes, you are absolutely right. There are oceans and 8 June is World Ocean Day. Oceans, seas, coastal areas, all of them are essential to the Earth's ecosystem and are critical to sustainable development. Did you know, they not only play a major role in producing the oxygen we breathe, but are also the primary regulator of the global climate, function as an important sink for greenhouse gases and serve as the host for huge reservoirs of biodiversity. And this is why careful management of this essential global resource is a key feature of a sustainable future. But how are we supposed to manage this on a global scale? To make a mass appeal and to involve countries all over the world, the Sustainable Development Goals were adopted by the United Nations in 2015 As a universal call to action to end poverty, protect the planet and to ensure that by 2030 all people enjoy peace and prosperity. Now I'm sure you know the 17 SDGs are integrated. They recognize that action in one area will affect outcomes in another and that development must balance social, economic and environmental sustainability. SDG 14, focuses on conserving and sustainably using ocean, seas and marine resources for sustainable development. Everyone knows about the current state of the oceans but the fact that this issue is much larger and vexed is hardly known by people. There is a continuous deterioration of coastal waters owing to pollution and ocean acidification is having an adverse effect on the functioning of ecosystems and biodiversity. This is also negatively impacting small-scale fisheries. You all must be tired listening to me speak in such a long time. So, let's take a short break. Hey guys, welcome back to the SDG Park where we were discussing about sdt 14. Before we look at the bigger problems of the oceans, we should first clean our rivers and address their problems why because rivers are equally important and are the lifelines for those regions through which they flow for india they are the ganga the yamuna and the Saraswati rivers being a delhiite let's now talk about the river yamuna you and me both know that it is also known as jamuna is one of the major rivers of the ganges river system and one of the holiest rivers in hinduism But are you aware that many capital cities of the Mughals were constructed on the banks of this river which still hold economic importance? This sacred river is of immense importance to India, both economically as well as ecologically and is thus considered as the lifeline of India. Before we dive deep into the river, let us first flow with it. All this has brought back so many songs to my mind. I don't know about you all, but I definitely want to hear some of them right now. I hope you like the songs, cause I definitely love them. Anyways, coming back to the topic at hand, the conditions of our rivers and oceans is extremely horrific. As Robert Swan rightly said and I quote, the biggest threat to our planet is the belief that somebody else will save it. Delhi is one of the biggest cities located on the banks of the river, but more than Delhi benefiting from it, it is the river that suffers. Delhi and Delhiites are the source of inflow of a huge amount of pollution from human activity. In the early 20th century, Yamuna's water was described as clear blue, but now, due to so many reasons, it is one of the most polluted rivers in the world. Only 2% of the river flows through Delhi and yet it contributes to about 76% of the total pollution load in the river. So more than the river water, we humans need treatment to be fit. What could be the reasons that plummeted the condition of a river that was once worshipped by the people of India? Let me tell you some of the basic ones which can easily be controlled but we always turn a blind eye to them. Firstly, rapid industrialization is to be blamed as sewage and industrial effluents end up percolating into the ground or in the river. Industries discharge toxic effluents into the drains in addition to tons of construction waste which ultimately ends up in the river. Secondly, immersion of idols during festivals with cheap lead and chrome paints, plaster of Paris and puja articles like flowers, decorations etc. all are a cause of great concern regarding the river's quality. Next, according to a report submitted by the Delhi Pollution Control Committee and the Central Pollution Control Board, at least 90% of domestic wastewater in the city flows into the Yamuna. This wastewater mainly comes from household activities Hence, the presence of high content of detergent and laundry chemicals in it. And did you know in Agra, the Yamuna has been choked by intense plastic pollution as even after the 2017 ban on single-use plastics, rampant use is incessant. Oh, I completely forgot to tell you about the aquatic life in the river. Yamuna has practically no aquatic life left due to choking on toxic waste and this has caused localized extinction of species downstream around areas like Delhi and Agra. This same water then merges into the Ganges and drains into the Bay of Bengal affecting not just one ecosystem. The food cycle that we read about in junior classes seems to be in complete disarray due to the extinction of certain species. Imagine, the creatures in the ocean would be waiting for food to flow through the rivers, but the rivers would contain only dirty water with no food at all. I'm sure you all must have studied or at least heard about bioaccumulation. Let me now give you a live example in the form of a story of a fish named Nemo who lived in the river Yamuna. The metallic pollutants in the river infected the algae and water, which when consumed by Nemo started accumulating in her body. Similarly, the other fish in the water also got affected and became a source of bioaccumulation in the food chain. These heavy metals damaged the gills of Nemo and her friends and as a result, many fish died of which Nemo was also a part. Fish infected by heavy metals can also be consumed by humans and are becoming a major source of methyl mercury exposure and dental amalgam. Long term exposure to these heavy metals can cause cancers, hyperkeratosis, and pigmentation changes. Oh my god, isn't all this so sad? Let's see how one of our friends interpreted this. See you after a short break. In a big fish bowl, a poor fish died. Next to a rock, at the other side. The water started to rotten. The fish started to smell. Will the fish be okay? No one could tell. The poor small fish stayed still more than a day. Poor small fish, there was no other way. Hey guys, welcome back to the SDG Park where we were discussing about SDG 14. The basic crux of the problem is that mostly people don't even know what is happening to the oceans around us. And out of those who know, most of them only talk about the oceans, just the way we started. But how many of us actually make efforts to restore them? We were just talking about the river Yamuna right now and what people can do. But has the government done anything to protect it? Don't worry, the plight of the river Yamuna has not gone unnoticed by the people or the government. And many actions are underway to restore the river's purity, namely the Yamuna Action Plan. It is a project between the government of India and Japan introduced in 1993 and is one of the largest river restoration projects in India. I feel that this is something that needs to be discussed at length. Phase 1 started in 1993 and ended in 2003. The government of Japan provided financial aid of 17.7 billion yen to carry out this project, which was executed by the National River Conservation Directorate, the Ministry of Environment and Forests, and the government of India. The second phase began in 2003 and was initiated by the government of India, focusing on Delhi as well as Haryana and Uttar Pradesh. It addressed the abatement of severe pollution of the river Yamuna by raising sewage treatment capacity caused by rapid population growth, industrialization and urbanization in the towns of the river basin. Sewage treatment systems were also improved. Phase 3 is currently underway. The Indian government is working on a concrete plan to reduce 90% of the pollution in the Yamuna by 2023. The Delhi Jal Board is actively piloting this programme. The plan aims on reusing 436 million gallons of treated wastewater per day against the current utilisation of 90 million gallons per day. The Delhi Jal Board treats 520 million gallons of wastewater on a daily basis at its 35 sewage treatment plants, out of which only 90 million gallons are used. Wastewater is used in irrigation, gardening, groundwater recharge, etc. But how does this wastewater reach the river and how do we clean the river if there is continuous rush to such wastewater in the rivers? Allow me to explain. Five major outlets carry wastewater into the Yamuna, including the Najafkar Drain, Shadara Drain, Barapulla Drain, Delhi Gate Drain and the Mori Gate Drain and to clean the river, four major interventions have been planned. In the first major intervention, the Delhi government will use natural wetlands and aeration methods to treat around 150 million gallons of polluted water coming from the states of Haryana and Uttar Pradesh. In the second intervention, wastewater in small or big drains will be tapped into sewage treatment plants. And third intervention will focus on improving the quality of the existing sewage treatment plants including upgrading all the equipments. And in the last intervention, sludge and septage from the septic tanks across Delhi, mostly used in unauthorized colonies where sewer lines have not yet been laid, will be collected and reused in biogas plants to generate electricity and gas. So much so for the Yamuna River. Now let us come back to the SDGs. The Sustainable Development Goal 14 commits countries to unite over what is truly a global responsibility, the protection of our oceans and the lives that depend on it. All this is fine, but we must have a target for ourselves on a more global scale. But who is going to decide what this target will be and what its deadline will be? Will all countries commit to this? I'm sure you know that the UN decides these targets, but do you know what these targets actually are or by when they need to be completed? Let me tell you by 2030, the UN aims to increase the economic benefits of small island developing states and least developed countries from the sustainable use of marine resources, including sustainable management of fisheries, aquaculture, and tourism. And yes, All countries have committed to enhance the conservation and sustainable use of oceans and their resources by implementing international laws and increasing scientific knowledge, developing research capacity and transferring marine technology in order to improve ocean health and to enhance the contribution of marine biodiversity to the development of countries. Do you know, over 60% of whale and dolphin species are affected by plastics, and out of all the plastic generated in 2015, only 9% of it was recycled. Almost 8 million tons of plastic trash enters the sea every year. Marine pollution comes from industrial, agricultural and urban waste, which fuels explosions of algae that rob the marine ecosystems of the oxygen they need to survive. With sustained pollution, these areas become dead zones, which already exist in more than 400 locations across the globe. When this contaminated water runs back into the lakes, it alters its natural features and affects its inhabitants. This generates greenhouse gases, which subsequently contribute to global warming activities. This is what is called going from bad to worse. Many ecologists have also expressed concern over the worldwide decline in coral cover due to global warming and associated coral bleaching, overfishing and coastal pollution. Coral reefs support a high diversity of fishes that may ultimately depend on corals for their survival. A devastating decline in coral cover caused a parallel decline in fish biodiversity, both in marine reserves and in areas open to fishing. Over 75% of reef fish species declined in abundance and 50% declined to less than half of their original numbers. Before we end today's discussion, I would like to suggest some measures that we, as students, can take. We can raise campaigns and influence the masses through social media with real-time streaming of changing conditions of rivers around the world. Strength in numbers can easily create a difference. However, one does not need to live near the river to help. Another way is funding governments and privately owned endeavors and popularizing alternate sustainable methods. Now, for the most awaited time by all of you, Trivia Time! Okay, so let's see if any of you know this. Which beach is the cleanest in the world? My my, you all sure are smart. Yes. Palm Beach in Aruba is the cleanest and the most beautiful beach in the world. It is famous for its calm waters and stretched out sandy line of bars and restaurants. Talking of beaches, did you know Australia is home to over 10,000 beaches and if you were to visit a new one every day, it would take you 27 years. Oh, and one of our friends just shared with me that the Sitarum River is known as the most polluted river in the world and is located in West Java, Indonesia. Thank you everyone. It was lovely speaking with all of you today. If any of you have any more suggestions, thoughts, ideas or any feedback for us, do connect with us at sdgpark at the red Goodbye till we meet again for another podcast.